Matthew 28. We covered the resurrection scene last week. Now we turn to the final instructions of the risen Jesus. Matthew 28, what's often called, of course, the Great Commission. The Great Commission. Follow along as I begin reading. Matthew 28 and verse 16. God's Word tells us. Now, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. May God bless his word to our hearts and lives this morning. This passage is like a Rorschach test for the soul. You familiar with the Rorschach test? Heard of that? Rorschach test is a psychological test where you're shown some weird ink blot and you're asked, what do you see in that ink blot? And people look at this ink blot and they see different things. And what you see is supposed to say something about you. Well, the Great Commission, I would submit, is a spiritual Rorschach test. We all see different things when we look at this passage. And what we see probably says something about us. Some look at this great commission and they are excited. And you are thinking right now, I have been waiting for this sermon. I've been waiting. It's been like a year, Tab, since you preached on evangelism. Why don't you talk about evangelism more? Where has this been? And thank you for waiting. But others look at this passage, others look at this spiritual Rorschach test, and they are immediately discouraged and maybe depressed. Why do we have to talk about this? I already know I'm failing in evangelism. I wish I hadn't come today. I knew I should stay in bed. It just makes me feel guilty to read this passage. Is that you? can be me. But more so for me, I look at this great commission and my temptation is to be cynical, I think. Ah, what difference is this going to make? Not seeing conversions around me right now. Why bother talking about this? It's not going to matter. It's, it's the Eeyore approach to evangelism. You know Eeyore. What's the point? Can you relate to me in that? 
Friends, we, we see this differently, oftentimes, and we see it differently because we are each looking through some theological lens. You are using some theological lens as you look at this inkblot we call the Great Commission. Some theological lens is functioning for you and me right now. And what we want to have happen this morning is use the lens God gives in this passage that we might see this commission as he wants us to see it. I am not going to heap a lot of guilt on you and me. That's too easy to do. I want to make sure we're leaving here viewing this as God wants us to view it with faith in our hearts. So here's, here's how I want to approach this. I want to see the, the commission, the command... And then I want to see the two kind of theological pillars that are holding it up here in this passage. I want to see those two pillars as as the lens through which we are to look at this great commission. So that's the outline, the command itself, and then the two pillars holding it up. Let's see first the command. I would put it like this first, that King Jesus, that the risen Jesus rather, the risen Jesus sends us into his purposes. There's the command. He sends us into his purposes. As we read, the disciples here go to Galilee, as instructed by Jesus, back to where Jesus began his earthly ministry. Some worship him, we're told, but some doubt, or maybe you could translate that, hesitate. Maybe some hesitate. Maybe some are still processing, what does this resurrection mean for me? We're not really sure. But make no mistake, this is a turning point in redemptive history. This is a turning point in the working out of God's plan of salvation in the world. Jesus' kingdom is now dawning in new power and new purpose. And so here he sends these first disciples into those purposes. And they are, friends, a paradigm for all of Jesus' disciples in all places at all times. And so this command applies to us as well. But what are we to do? Well, look at verse 19. Look at verse 19 again. It says, Go, therefore, and make disciples. And as you read on, it it literally would read, Make disciples, going, baptizing, and teaching, the, the main command, the, really the only explicit imperative is make disciples. doesn't mean the other parts don't have a, a sense of command. They do. But the, the explicit command, the main emphasis is make disciples going, baptizing, and teaching. It's, it's bringing people into a, a master-follower relationship with this king. It's helping people declare their own personal allegiance to the king. Surrendering to him. Trusting in him. Living for him. That's what we're to do. Go make disciples. But where? Where? Well, of all nations. Of all nations. That's a very important phrase. Of all nations. The people of God are now not going to be constituted in one nation state. 
not in the nation of Israel or the United States or any other one ethnic group. Now, King Jesus will have followers from all nations, all peoples of the earth. And this is an echo, an echo of what God said in Genesis chapter 12 to a guy named Abram, later Abraham. He said, I'm going to give you a land, make you into a people, give you this massive family. And through your family, Abraham, I'm going to bless all families of the earth, all nations, all ethnicities. Quite the promise. So do you hear the echo of Genesis 12 in verse 19? The blessing promised to the nations has come. And his name is Jesus. And he wants to use us as as mouthpieces communicating that he is that blessing for all peoples, all ethnicities. And so we go in obedience to his command. We go in our neighborhoods and our workplaces and our campuses and, and classrooms. And we go in our city, places like Bridge of Hope, and the college area pregnancy services, and the International Christian Fellowship at San Diego State. And we go into our world, in places like Japan, where we are helping to support a church planting taking place in Tokyo. And to people like the Tarahumara in Mexico, where we are sending Mindy and Alan Colton in a couple of weeks. The main command is make disciples. And to do that, Jesus says, we must go. We can't wait for them to come. You know, the days of putting out our shingle. (laughs) Here we are at church. Come on in. Those days are over. We, We go to them. We don't wait for them to come to us. We go to them here in San Diego and around the world. But what what does this involve? What does this disciple-making include? Well, Jesus goes on to tell us more. It's not the totality, but he says, baptizing them. It should include baptizing them. Welcoming them into the family of God through the sacrament of water baptism. And notice they're declaring personal allegiance by doing so to the triune God as they're baptized in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then the commission goes on. Verse 20, teaching them. Notice, teaching them to observe or obey all that I have commanded you. All that the risen King commands is to be applied by his grace. So, so ongoing training is involved, isn't it? It's not a, a one-time, you know, instant add water, instant disciple. I wish it were like that in my life. It's ongoing discipleship that's in view. It includes our parenting, if you're a parent here. It includes how you're discipling your teenager or training your toddler or everyone in between. It includes our fellowship and our home groups as we help each other apply God's word. It includes the the marital equipping we do and the men's and women's Bible studies and God's word being preached here on Sundays. All of those ways are part of teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. 
But let's think about applying this, especially in light of the going piece. Let's just think about that piece for now. We want this, we want this going to be part of our church DNA, part of our genetic makeup, <laughs> producing in us a, a culture of evangelism, as my friend Tim Lydell helpfully reminds me. A culture, a culture where, friends, every member is in some form or fashion engaged in the outward mission of the good news of Jesus Christ. So I, I want to give you two questions to consider. Just two questions to consider. And then I hope to build your faith. Question number one. Who has God put into your life right now to go like that? To go toward them? To go to them like that? Who has God put into your life that you might go to them with this good news? Who is that? Just, just one person, perhaps. If we all thought of one person, that'd be a lot of people. Who is that? And then question number two, what, what's the next step for you in going to them? So just real simply, who? Think of one person and the next step. The next step. It might be as simple as having them over for a meal. Friends, hospitality is a powerful tool in this commission. It could be sharing a cup of coffee. And you might even initiate that conversation by saying something like, hey, I'm part of a church that is trying to understand what people outside of our church believe. Could we get together so I could learn more about your spiritual beliefs? And then you get together and, and you ask questions. And you learn. And you come alongside. And you help them engage with this good news. That's our command. That's our commission. The risen Jesus sends us into his purposes. But again, what I want to see with you is that command held up by two massive Theological pillars, the, the lens we need to view that ink blot rightly. So, next, please see with me next that the risen Jesus sends us with his power, his authority. The risen Jesus sends us with his power. When we think of this great commission, we usually think of it as beginning in verse 19, which is where I began. Go, therefore, make disciples. But the therefore in that verse is important. You want to ask, what's the therefore? Therefore, right? Therefore means there's a logical connection with the prior verse. The therefore means verse 18 is the theological basis for verse 19. So look at verse 18. In verse 18, Jesus says, All Authority. There are a lot of alls in this passage. In that. All authority. Universal authority. In heaven and on earth has been given to me. That is the basis for the Great Commission. That's the lens 
we need to use to view it rightly. Now, when Jesus says all authority has been given to him, he doesn't mean that God the Son got a promotion just now. It's like after the resurrection, the Father gave the Son a really good performance review and said, that was great, Son. I'm going to trust you now with more authority. It's not like that. Jesus' absolute authority was certainly on display throughout his earthly ministry. And Matthew stresses Jesus' authority in a number of places. Look at Matthew 7 with me. We have this for a, for a slide. Matthew 7. When Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them, notice, as one who had authority. And not as their scribes. Jesus had Absolute authority in his words. As God come in the flesh. He is the ultimate prophet of God. For he speaks the very words of God to us. Or Matthew 10. Matthew 10 we read. And he, Jesus, called to him his 12 disciples. And gave them authority. Gave them authority over unclean spirits. Demonic realm. To cast them out. And to heal every disease and every affliction. So here's absolute power over the spiritual realm. And absolute authority over every disease and every affliction. And then delegating some of that for a time to these disciples. Or Matthew 11. Catch this one. Matthew 11. Jesus says the following. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. I think that's a remarkable verse. Jesus has authority to save. And He saves by choosing to reveal the Father. So if you have believed on Jesus Christ savingly, if you know God yourself personally, that is because the Son chose to reveal the Father to you. That's a pretty amazing statement about his sovereignty over salvation. And my point is that Jesus did not get a promotion after the resurrection, but the sphere the sphere in which the God-man now exercises the Father's authority has been enlarged, you might say. Now as the God-man incarnate who suffered, died, and rose in the flesh, now the God-man incarnate says over the universe, mine. All authority is mine over this place. And the risen God-man says, all authority is mine over every nook and cranny of planet Earth. He says over every country in the Middle East that persecutes his people, he says, mine. Over Indonesia, the most populated Muslim country in the world, this king says, mine. Over Asia and Africa and Latin America, he says, mine. And over the city of San Diego, King Jesus says, mine. Over every, every person in your neighborhood, 
every single soul in your workplace, every person who walks on your campus tomorrow, King Jesus says, mine. Think about it. The Bible tells us every knee will bow to him. Here and around the world. Every single knee. No exceptions. Every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord sooner or later. Some will do so with great joy and some with great dread because of his fierce judgment. I have read the popular view of Jesus likened to the comic strip Calvin and Hobbes. You weren't prepared for that analogy, were you? (laughs) Calvin is a six-year-old boy. Hobbes is his stuffed toy tiger. When others are around, when other people are around, Hobbes is just a toy. But when it's just the two of them, Calvin and Hobbes, then Hobbes is is real and, and alive to Calvin. So they have adventure after adventure after adventure. I suppose it's really in Calvin's vivid imagination with his stuffed toy tiger, Hobbes. And the author said that's how people think about Jesus Christ. He can be real for you. He can be real in your own private little world. It's okay. He can be real for you in your little private world. If Jesus works for you, fine. I used to say, if you need that crutch, it's okay. You can have that crutch. But he's a a stuffed tiger. He's, He's your own little private personal deity. But this is saying, he's no stuffed tiger. He's the risen king over everything. Now, you might be here and you're not yet a believer in Jesus Christ, and I acknowledge this is a kind of weird message for you. But think about it for a moment with me. This king makes a claim on your life. And he rose from the dead. So you need to take this claim seriously. You're going to bow before him one day, either with great joy or great dread. The Bible says the resurrection proves this, that there is a day of judgment coming one day, and Jesus is that judge. I just want to ask you to consider, why would you not surrender to this king now with joy instead of surrendering to him then with dread? Why not surrender to him today, friend, and know his love and his mercy and his grace, trusting in his life, death, and resurrection to take away all of your sins and bring you to God himself? Why would you not do that? What would stop you? I I appeal to you, I plead with you, come to Christ even now, believing he's no stuffed tiger, This king says over everything and everyone, mine. 
So I want to I make some application. I want to I think a little bit theologically with you, okay? And I hope this builds your faith. Let's make a little application. The reality is that no one can respond to Christ on their own. Left to ourselves, no one can respond to this saving message on their own. Because left to ourselves, we are spiritually dead. Ephesians chapter 2 says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And friends, what are dead people able to do? Nothing. Go to a cemetery. It's very quiet. God must act on a soul for someone to genuinely believe. And that's what he does when this gospel is proclaimed. It is what is called a Calvinistic or Reformed understanding after the great reformer John Calvin. But more so, it's based on the writings of the New Testament and the teaching of Jesus himself, who chooses to reveal the Father. But some say in response, if God is sovereign like that over salvation tab, if that were true, then evangelism, then going, would be useless, pointless. But that's not the case. God's sovereignty does not make evangelism pointless. His sovereignty is what makes evangelism effective. His sovereignty is what makes any possibility of genuine conversion possible. Because we're dead, left to ourselves. And he gives life through this message that people might believe. Sometimes we can think, can't we? Is there a point to evangelism? People don't want to hear. My neighbors oppose this message. My co-workers will reject me. The culture is going to pot anyway. So what's the point? Listen, when, when that's what we see in this Rorschach test, when that's what we discern in the inkblot, we're lacking the lens of verse 18. All Authority. I, I confess, I get cynical with the best of them. I can be a world-class cynic. And I'm realizing, I realize this week, as I'm doing that, as I'm cynical about evangelism, I'm forgetting my own experience. I'm thinking, Tab, did you just figure this out on your own? Were you like morally superior, Tab? And you discerned what a good decision this would be? No! I was dead in sin, uninterested in God, in active rebellion against God, and one day in 1990, on a beach, he acted upon me that I might believe. And friend, the same is true for you. At some point, he acted on you. If you believe, you might not remember that day, it doesn't matter. He acted upon you the one with all authority. This is why we go. This is why we go. And this gives us confidence and it produces prayer. Think about it. If no one, if no one is too hardened for him, if no one is beyond the reach of the hound of heaven, as the famous poem says, if no one is beyond the reach of the one with all authority, then it makes perfect sense for us to pray by name for people that we're reaching out to. 
It makes perfect sense to pray for them by name that the king with all authority would act upon them, that they would have the Father revealed to them and they would believe. It makes perfect sense for you to pray for them by name and that this king would use you in that process. So pray for them. I'm reminding myself, believe me. That's the first pillar holding up this command. There's one other. Third, let's see this, that the risen Jesus sends us with his presence into his purposes with his power or authority and with his presence. The gospel of Matthew ends, this is so sweet, it ends not with a command for you to obey but a promise for you to believe. Verse 20 at the end, Jesus says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And I am told always here is, is a kind of idiom. Literally, it means or reads the whole of every day. I like that. Jesus is making a promise. I am with you the whole of every day until the end of the age. And he fulfills that, of course, by sending the Holy Spirit upon his church to be with us the whole of every day. Now think of that promise, think of that promise in the broader context of the book of Matthew itself. Think back to our Christmas series when we covered the first part of the book of Matthew in Matthew chapter 1, where Joseph is informed that his fiancée, Mary, is pregnant. Small problem for the engagement, wouldn't you say? He's going to divorce her quietly when an angel appears to Joseph in a dream with the surprising news saying the baby conceived in Mary is, quote, from the Holy Spirit. And then Matthew adds, this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah, quote, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, at the end of Matthew's gospel, what does Jesus promise to be? Emmanuel. God with you. To the end of the age. That's his promise. And promises, promises are very important. Promises are most helpful Michael Lawrence, in his fine book on biblical theology in the church, he says that we we build our lives around promises. Promises to pay back our mortgages. Promises to keep our marriage vows. Promises, he says, that we make to Netflix. (laughs) He notes how General MacArthur gave hope to the Philippines when he made a promise saying, I shall return. He notes how Martin Luther King Jr. pricked the nation's conscience when he said, quote, now is the time to make real the promises, the promises of democracy. He quotes another writer who says this, promises are the uniquely human way of ordering the future. Did you catch that? Promises are how we order the future. Jesus wants to order our future with his promise. I'm with you. Jesus wants to order how we view this commission 
with this promise. I'm still with you. I'm right there with you. It means, Grace Church, we don't go alone. You don't go alone to your neighborhood, your workplace, your campus. You don't go alone with this good news. We don't go alone to the city of San Diego. You go with his presence by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. This really, it really speaks to um, the bigger picture of the Bible. How God was present with his people Israel through the tabernacle structure, that kind of tent, and then the temple they built. And how God is present with his church, the, the true Israel, as we are the temple of God, the dwelling place of God by his, his spirit. We are the people of his presence. So realize, realize what a blessing you are in light of that. Joshua was reminding me how people all around us are looking for something, right? They're looking for hope. They're looking for purpose. And everywhere they look ultimately disappoints them. But you, you have the blessing of life. You have the spirit of God dwelling within you to be seen and maybe tasted by them in ways. I saw this firsthand this past Friday night. Sung and I went to the international student outreach over near SDSU. We are there with the Sperrys and the Zellers and the Lees and the Lemcules and the Bars. And Am Simon brought food. Thank you. Weekly, many of those folks go and they help international students. And they help them with their English language skills first, so kindly. Then they provide a free meal. It's an amazing, eclectic gathering of, of uh, foods from around the world. And they're there reaching out in relationship. They're there, I just watch them, befriending people all around this room to show the love of Christ. I was there to interview my dear bride and help her, ask her to share her experience as an immigrant. And she shared how hard that was coming to this country and the difference Jesus Christ made. And afterward, Robbie Zeller told me she was sitting next to a woman from Japan who'd been here for a week, for a week. And Robbie turned to the lady afterward and said, what would you think? You know, what would you get from that? And the lady said she really resonated with what Sung shared. She did not resonate with what I shared, apparently. But I understand. That happens to me. She really resonated with what Sung had shared and the, the struggles, the challenges of coming to this country. And then Robbie, she's such a good evangelist, she said, what made a difference for her? And the lady from Japan said, Jesus. And then apparently Yumiko began to take over as a native Japanese speaker and share more of what Christ has done. I just thought, what a beautiful picture of this promise in action. Love shown, practical care given, expressions of mercy and, and friendship, and good news. And my thought was, while there... 
the spirit of Christ is here. And these students are getting a taste of something of that. So friends, let us view this great commission, this spiritual Rorschach test, as God would have us. Viewing it through the lens of his power. The one who commands us this way has all authority. His mission will be successful. And view it through the lens of his presence. You do not go alone. He is with you by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit as we hold out true life to people in Christ. So let's end by praying and celebrating the Lord's Supper together.